Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Proverbs. We're continuing to walk through this book. In some ways, it's, it's quite a strange book because it's filled with all these sayings, these proverbs that don't seem like they make obvious sense going together. Some of them seem like contradictions. But this is a book that shows us um, the art of living the way that God intends. And if it's true that God became a human being in the person of Jesus and lived perfectly, died perfectly, and has been raised, um, then this wisdom of life must be one that uh, is a resurrection life, a new life, an eternal life, something that's deeper and truer and more beautiful than the life we know before. So this morning as we talk about the power of our words and the power of God's word to us, we're going to be all over the place. I got the sheets from Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 18, and Proverbs chapter 16. Here are some selections. Listen, this is the word of the living God. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And then over in Proverbs 18, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And then Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. This is the word of the living God. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray your blessing on your word and on our brother as he comes to open it before us. Would you dig out our ears, Lord, give us new hearts that are alive and soft to what you have to say to us, and Lord, uh, joy and willingness to follow you, Lord Jesus, out of death and into life, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, children of all ages, um, you can take your mask off for this just for a second. Um, Stick out your tongue. Okay. So at Redeemer School, they sing a song called, um, Keep your tongue from evil, keep your tongue. Keep your tongue from evil, keep your tongue. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from lies. Keep your tongue from evil, keep your tongue. And then the next round, what you have to do is actually hold your tongue, and you have to say, so you guys got to practice that uh, at home, all right? We're going to talk about the tongue today. Um, thanks to Kara, uh, who've talked about the tongue, uh, or our use of words. Three theologians, pass, uh, uh, no, theologians, 
Christian people. We'll just say that. Pascal, kind words do not cost much. They never blister the tongue or lips. They make other people good-natured. And Martin Luther King, in the end we will remind, remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends about not using your tongue for its good. And then the great theologian, John Calvin, um, uh, well, you know, he gets a little graphic. Looseness with words is no less of a problem than looseness of bowels. Looseness of bowels. Everything's in kindergarten joke. I love it. It's a hard sermon for me uh, to talk about resurrection wisdom and your tongue, because my tongue can be a little tyrannical to me. Um, I am not afraid of being a bit of a verbal shock jock. I kind of have fun with that at times. It gets me in trouble. Uh, like Moses, I have a speech impediment, but it's not physical. It's spiritual. Um, uh, I can, at times, get into the wrong categories of Proverbs, which is not the wise, but the fool or the simple. And sometimes insecurity drives me uh, to speak more, and too often more loudly than I should, just filling up the room with the sound of my own voice, which of course makes me think of Run DMC. I, Reverend Run, J Master J, and DMC write, you talk too much, homeboy, you never shut up. Now, back in old hip-hop, the the, 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 the beat and the words always hit at the same time, and they're always on whole notes, so just a different era. You're always spreading rumors, whether bad or good. You're the dang Walter Conkite of the neighborhood. The Barbara Walters and the Howard Cosell, you always come around with a story to tell. You talk too much, homeboy, you never shut up. Said it's everybody's said it's everybody's business that you love to mind, and talking to you is like dropping a dime. Now, dime is a form of currency that used to be used in the world, and it was used in particular for this machine, a booth of sorts, where there was a phone, and you had to call somebody, you had to put a dime in that machine, and then you could talk to someone. So the dropping the dime is like, you got it. Proverbs has a lot to say, and our Lord Jesus has a lot to say about our words and a lack of wisdom in them and having wisdom in them. Our Lord Jesus and the entire scripture are filled with examples of how much speech matters. I said last week that we're talking about resurrection wisdom, and this week it's going to be with respect to resurrection wisdom of words. And what we've said is wisdom is the skill and the art of living as God intends, which where, where godly judgment and godly actions embrace. And in this case, and for the Christian in particular, it's, it's the skill in the art of living as God intends in and through and because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we participate in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his session, and return, and in his words, both receiving them and proclaiming them. Proverbs helps us embody and understand the way Jesus would have us live and reveals Jesus in their own words as the true and wise one. 
What we want to start with today is actually the power of the tongue. There's only two major points. It's the power of the tongue and the problem of the tongue. Um, the power of the tongue. I, the, the one uh, Chris read earlier, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who live by it, the tongue, will eat its fruits, whether of death or life. James in the New Testament calls, um, calls the tongue a fire or a, rust, a, a rudder that can control a large vessel. And there's a huge amount of uh, research and, and, and um, discussion among scholars uh, and philosophers about the nature of, the tongue, of words and language. And um, they, they, they talk about speech acts, that the, the, the power itself it can be an action in the, as, it, as it's heard. And everyone from Augustine to Nietzsche, philosophers, theologians, anthropologists, have written about the power of language. My friend Greg Thompson writes this, Our words matter. Mundane and unconsidered though they often are, they nevertheless, nevertheless remain the strange gift by means of which we make our way in the world. With them we name and are named. Through them we welcome and are welcomed. By them we war and are warred upon. They are rimless in their mystery and terrible in their power. Well, what Greg's doing there is actually just um, uh, relaying the gravity that the Scriptures in our Lord Jesus give to words. They are a rudder. Our small tongues steer our entire bodies. The tongue is connected to the skeletal muscular and muscular systems. It can move us, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Words can have sweetness or be swords. They can bring health to the body. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And you know that there are life and death in words. The words that, that you've been told, and it is a completely wrong proverb. This American proverb, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me. It's just not true. It's utterly false. And we have all sorts of proverbs that are such. Boys don't cry. It's ridiculous. Barbie used to say, I don't like math. How harming is that over time? Never let them see you sweat? Really? I'm a self-made man or self-made woman. Uh-uh. Or think about like our, uh, the way we talk either in social medias or in our political uh, languages and, and what words can actually do if I just say Marxist or if I just say Christian nationalist or I say white supremacy or I say Black Lives Matter or I say neoconservative or progressive. We can't even say words like conservative and liberal without some kind of uh, internal reaction that goes on because we can be so wep weaponized. The turn of the phrase is the turn of a conscience. Uh, it it is, is a turn of some of your innards inside, but it also can be the turn of an entire community. But specifically, those are a little bit on the platitudes. You have heard certain words and phrases that have been a boon to your soul, and you have heard words and phrases that have bruised your soul. My friend in Charlotte said he lived his entire life under his dad's words, if it is to be, it's up to me. It's a lie. And it brings death. 
My father-in-law, and I've told you this before, has said to Amanda her entire life, doesn't matter where you are, if you need me, call me. I'll be there as fast as my truck can get there. That is true and has brought life to Amanda over and over again. I was told that it didn't matter how handsome I was, that if I was overweight, I would not be attractive. It's a lie. I was also told that I had a heart for Christ and his kingdom and to help be part of the broken church and wanted to serve in those areas and that that was good and I should do that. And that was truth and it was life. You all have those words, those phrases some of you were told you couldn't, wouldn't amount to anything. Some of you were told you could do anything. Some of you have been truly abused by words. Words actually fashion the way you see your mirror. For you parents out there, your words become the very instinct your kids have for what the voice of God sounds like. They have power to hurt and to heal. This is why Jesus in the Proverbs spends so much time on our tongues. Jesus actually said, if you call someone a fool, you're guilty of murder. You, you see the speech act kind of stuff he's talking about, the power of them? Think about loose lips don't just sink ships. They also sink souls, but they also save souls. Words are important. They matter greatly. And so with all this weight of our tongues, right, before us, I would just say, go use it well. Go use your tongue well. But we have a problem. We have a glossal development problem in our tongues. And something that speech therapy in and of itself will heal will not heal. We have something desperately wrong with our tongues. Because your tongue isn't just connected to your skeletal or muscular system. It's actually connected to your circulatory system, your art, your heart, and oxygen, life. Your tongue bone is connected to your heart bone. I know that, though, yes, I know. What Jesus says is that our tongue bone is connected to our hearts. Our Lord says in Matthew 15, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a, these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come all evil thoughts, murder, and it goes on with the long list. To pay attention to your words is like putting a, a hot mic right next to your chest. And it's picking up what's going on in here. So you're examining your heart when you're examining your mouth, what you say and what you refuse to say that is right. And we realize that we are tongue-tied and therefore heart-tied up too. The heart is, it's revealed in what we say and how we say it. It is a diagnostic for our speech, and it reveals the brokenness of the heart. Over the years, one of my favorite resources, is a very convicting resource, um, has always been the Westminster um, uh, Catechism and, and the Confession. In the Catechism, it talks about speech ethics, if you will, speaking, and how we do that, about 
lying and the commandments, and there's, they do it in question and answers, and um, they do a pretty big section in the larger catechism about all the Ten Commandments, and one of them is uh, they say, okay, so what is, what is forbidden in lying, and then what is required of you for not lying? And uh, this is what's forbidden in lying. I've paraphrased some of it, but let me just read it to you. It'll be a little long, um, but I think it'll help, because what this is is actually doing some uh, heart revelation of, of our mouths. So put that mic up close and see how it goes. We must condemn all prejudicing of the truth. We condemn any prejudicing of the good name of our neighbors, especially in public. We cannot give false witness. We cannot wittingly appear or plead for an evil cause. We cannot pass an unjust sentence or call evil good or good evil. It calls us out for concealing any truth or undue silence in a just cause, holding our peace when iniquity calls to us to reprove ourselves or complain to others. It says that it's sinful to speak the truth in the wrong season or to speak maliciously towards some wrong end or perverting the truth towards some wrong meaning. We must never give any prejudice to truth against truth or justice. Speak an untruth, tell a lie, slander, backbite, detract, scoff, revile, or whisper. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Is that not true? The gossip. We can never misconduct someone's intentions or misconstrue someone's contentions, words, or actions. We're not allowed to have be about flattery or boasting or thinking or speaking too highly or too lowly of ourselves or others. We're not allowed to deny the gifts of God's graces in the world. We cannot be aggravated by small faults or hiding or excusing or minimizing any sin. It is a sin to, to not freely confess our sin or to unnecessarily try to discover another's. We cannot raise false rumors. We cannot receive evil reports. It says we should never stop our ears against a just defense and never allow evil suspicion to reign. We can't envy or take anyone's credit from them for what, what they're due. We cannot rejoice in another's disgrace or infamy. And we must celebrate a good report among all. And that's just the stuff we can't do. The stuff that we're obligated to do is even more and more convicting. So how'd you do? How'd that sound? Coming out your heart? Thinking through those things? If you made it through the list, God bless you. You're either truly wise or deceived. I won't judge. But if you're like me, the, that list, reading through that is an indictment of my tongue and therefore my heart. What do you do? This is where the Sunday School Rancher is the only answer. Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. His words are the words of God. And his, he, the Word, brought forth His words 
and have them dwell among us. And he, the word, by the power of his resurrection and the grace of his mercy, has actually entered into our bodies, to our hearts, for the skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular healing that is needed. His words demonstrate the power of resurrection wisdom. And his words heal our problematic tongues. His words are honey to our lips. And he alone is the truthful, wise one that lasts forever, the Proverbs talked about earlier. So what I want to do is connect this resurrection power of Eastertide with the wisdom of his words. And so I thought the best way to do it is, what did Jesus say right after the resurrection? And I think it's tied to how the healing of the heart and therefore the speech or the tongue happen. His first words, four of them, I'll get had seven or eight, but this, this is his first four words out after the resurrection. The first thing he said is, woman, why are you crying? The first words of Jesus after the resurrection is to a woman in the garden who had experienced the full weight of the fall. In the first garden, Eden, another woman, the father questioned the same. The tears of the first fall are met with the tears being healed to a woman in the garden after the resurrection. And then meet with the final story of Jesus. God will wipe away all our tears every tear from our eyes. This, knowing that Jesus has come to heal, starts to do that work in your heart and therefore your tongue. The second of Jesus' words was to look at that woman and say, Mary. He said her name. He called her And all who would come to him, he's calling you. And if you come to him, he puts your name in the Lamb's book of life. He says, my sheep hear my voice. She heard and believed. She heard him call her name. Rush to Jesus as he calls your name. There is an intimacy, a connection, a being known, knowing even the yuckiness of your heart and the wickedness of our tongues still called by name. He knows our past and is redeeming our future. And that begins to heal the heart again. The third word after the resurrection is, go tell the others. Mary becomes the very message of the word of God to the others. And she wants to spread out that goodness, that heart-healing goodness that tames the tongue. A message that our troubled tongues are foolish words that guys in the upper room had made some really, um, let's say, not smart ways of using their mouths, even the few days beforehand. And gives to them, runs to them with a message of hope beyond this kind of glossal impediment that we have in our lives. And she says, this is not just for me, but it's for you. It's for us together. And so we go and we tell each other the gospel again and again in love. And then think about all that's been going on and the next thing he says. All the difficulty, all the damage of the fall and our fallen tongues, our foul mouths. Jesus says, peace to you. Most of my 
tongue fault comes from a lack of peace, comes from anxiety that is worn, has got some worn paths in my body. But the promise of peace also begins to heal the heart and therefore the tongue. Peace, not fault finding. Peace, not rebuke. Peace, not blame. Peace. So what do we do with the resurrection wisdom? We don't walk. We run to Jesus, who is our help. He is the wise one in the Proverbs that brings the healing. Proverbs is saying, do not be simple, meaning just go wayward with anything. Do not be a fool and reject the beauty of the gospel. Be wise and come to the only wise one. Jesus alone is the Son of God, the Savior of the, sin, of the sinful, and he is glad to pronounce his word over you as the word of God, forgiveness and healing. And what happens when you run to him, when you fail to recognize the power and problem of your own tongue, you go back to him again. He has the power to heal, to free our tongues, to loose them as tools of delight and power in his hand. And what you will hear there is a flip on the words of a whisperer, because what you'll hear there is Jesus saying, come to me in a whisper. And those are actually delicious morsels that go down into the inner parts of your body and change your heart and change your tongue. Now, thinking about how to apply this, I, um, um, I don't have my piece of paper. Oh, well, you got one? Thanks, sir. For those of you on stream, we're handing these out, but we'll go in, um, uh, they'll go in the looking back email as well. And so I just didn't know where to put this in the sermon, but it just seemed like good advice. It uh, feels like I should tattoo it somewhere for, me to be, for it to be important. I had one of the teenagers say we could kind of keep it like this as a, you know, got a football play, you know. And so this is kind of all the, the wisdom of Proverbs about speaking that I could muster. And so it basically says, should I speak? Eight questions. Is it from love? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it good for my neighbor, the hearer? Is it necessary for me to speak? Is it respectful? Is it humble? And do I have the right to say it? Let that be a guide of resurrection wisdom, knowing full well that it's going to reveal heart issues so that we can run to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would help us tame our tongues, but we know you have to fix our hearts to do that, so we do beg you to, as you promised to in our coming to you the first time, to forgive us all of our sins and start to re that renewal work in us. Would you keep that renewal work up in us and let us be malleable in your hands? We really do want to speak like you with all the power, all the truth, all the love, all the goodness. 
Heal our lips, we pray. Amen.